Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello there. Welcome to season five of the Weight Loss Podcast. Of the Weight Loss Podcast, the greatest health and fitness podcast on planet Earth, as voted by Matt and Courtney. Yes. Speaking of Matt and Courtney, I am Matt. Maybe not obvious, but I am Matt. With me is my wife, Courtney. Hello. Hello, dear. I'm excited for this one. Well, it makes the two of us. Mm. So let's rip straight into this. So we're going to have a discussion about dealing with various forms of guilt that come as part and parcel of any successful weight loss journey. Now, the funny thing is, Courtney, we planned this out. Initially, the thought was, well, I'll just be one episode. We'll get it all taken care of. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Um, so deep did we go with this, we realised, shit, this is going to be a two-parter because who wants to listen to a three-hour episode of us just talking shit? Yeah. So we're going to discuss this as part one about how to deal with guilt. So Courtney and I have put our heads together and put together a list of the common things, issues that people tend to feel guilty with when it comes to their weight loss goals. Mm -hmm. And a number of these things over the the course of of these two episodes we can relate to personally and have seen countless number of times with people we've worked with over a long period of time now, Mm. you might say, Courtney. Yes. I think um, before we get into the, the first sort of three things we're going to talk about today, I think it's worth just starting by saying that, you know, if you do have various feelings of guilt with this and the things we're going to be speaking about, you know what, that's okay. Mm. You might even say it's normal. Well, you definitely would say it's normal. I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to put a disclaimer on this to say that you will experience guilt at some point about something. I'm yet to, in my my time now doing this professionally, which is now getting um, towards 11 years as a career, I've never met a single person who hasn't come across some forms of guilt mm. with this. It's, to me, it's par for the course. Yeah. I think it, it's at the stage now where if we were to work with someone who didn't go through some form of this, it'd be a shock. Yeah. It'd be a real shock. So what we've done is we've come up with six main areas and have broken it up into part of three parts per episode. So we're going to talk about, Courtney, um, each point and then give tips from our own personal and professional perspective on moving past those things before we move to the next point. Yes, we are. So I think let's just 
get stuck into this. Mm-hmm. I will kick things off for us. Mm-hmm. The number one thing I've seen and we've both seen with people that, uh, with the feelings of guilt with this is the guilt that comes with putting yourself first. Mm. How common is that? Very common. Is this something you personally, Courtney, can relate to or have been able to relate to in the past? Um, yes, to a certain point, I think. What's that certain point? Tell us. Um, I'm just trying to remember back now. Um, I definitely think that, you know, me being um, the sort of personality that I am, I don't like to upset people. Mm. Um, Is that like, as would you use the term people pleaser? Yes, mm. I would. So there's definitely been probably a lot of examples over over the years where I have um, taken that more into consideration than what I want. So mm-hmm. um, what I'm aiming towards. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can't think of any sort of super specific examples, but definitely me being a naturally a people pleaser has worked against me in, in different times. And then, of course, you do something that you – like I know I would shouldn't have done, and then that's when the guilt comes in. So it's not necessarily the action in the first place, but when we're talking about how, in, like, we're, really, we're talking about guilt. So the guilt would come from afterwards, where I would look back and reflect and say, oh, "I should have done this differently," or "I should have said this," or "done this." Mm-hmm. I <clears throat> I look at it. You you look at someone who's unhealthy and overweight. And I've heard plenty of times in the past where people have referred to overweight, unhealthy people as being selfish. Mm. I completely disagree. Yeah. I, for me, when I see someone who's unhealthy and overweight, I see someone who's not selfish enough Mm. and has clearly for too long now, put everyone and everything ahead of themselves. Yep. So, you know, taking the easy, not the easy way out, but in, that's, actually no, it's not the easy way out at all, but putting themselves on the back burner, I've got to stay back at work so I won't go to the gym. Uh, I've, got to, I've got to go, you know, help a friend out with X, Y, Z. I'll just stop by McDonald's for dinner tonight, you know, and these things sort of add up. And then you get to a stage where you go, right, enough's enough. I want to start to work on this and change. And that's when you start to come up against like, okay, a big part of the, the change you're looking for is going to involve then turning around and saying, well, you know what? What I've done in the past hasn't worked up until now. And there's got to be instances where I'm prepared to go, well, I've got to prioritise myself and what I want to achieve. And that's where it gets fucking hard. Mm. And I found that um, with myself when I was younger, where it's like, oh, you know, uh, I've got to stay back at work. I won't go to the gym today. You know, because I don't want to let someone down. Yeah. Except you're letting yourself down. Yeah. I think it's easy to do though because you don't think about the fact that you're letting yourself down until later. I think it's a lot more obvious when somebody's in front of you that um, I'm going to let them down. 
So that's where I think when you've got that personality type where you you don't want to hurt people's feelings or you you are sympath you know you're in tune with you know people around you. I think that it's easier to make that decision in a way because it's right in front of you. Whereas it's only on reflection. I think that then you have the guilt that you've let yourself down. And the thing is, as well, it, by you not you don't put yourself first. You're the only one that really affects. Yeah. And I can understand and have empathised because I've lived it myself where in the moment I don't want to let my friend down, my partner down, my my boss down, whatever. But you've then got to live with the consequences Yeah. of those choices that are consistently repeated and it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And there, there does have to come a time where it's like, well, hang on, something has to be approached a bit differently here. Mm. So with, with you in the past, Courtney, like how have you moved beyond this as a people pleaser? Are you beyond this? No, I don't think so because um, like that, those personality traits of mine haven't changed. Mm-hmm. So I still am who I am deep down. So it's something that I just have to be mindful of. I think awareness is the biggest thing for, for, for this. So once you are aware that this is what you do, this is what this is what I did, mm. um, and it's a, and it's a pattern, or almost a bad habit, you could say. Um, it is a habit. So what, like any other bad habits, emotional eating, you know, um, over-exercising, any sort of bad habit when it comes to this sort of thing. Awareness is half the battle. Because if you're not aware you're doing it, you can't fix it. You can't work on it. So for me it became making sure that I was aware that this is what I was doing and that it was a bad habit that I had. Um, And then making sure that I could work on it in terms of um, I would do things like remind myself of what my goals were. I think that's a really important one is to remind yourself why you're doing it in the first place. I think when you get caught up in um, listening to too many people and, and then you've got guilt about putting yourself first, you've for me I always had to remind myself that of course I have to put myself first because my goals are about me. So if I don't put myself first, then who's gonna, no one's going to achieve these goals for me. So for me, it came back to reminding myself constantly about why I was doing it and what I wanted to achieve. You said before that awareness is half the problem. What's the other half? I think the other half comes down to then making the decision to – well, just for me, it was – a combination of making sure I reminded myself of my goals and why I was doing this in the first place. I've spoken about it before. It's a really long process um, and it can get really boring at times, this process. I'm sorry. I thought it was excitement day in, day out. It's not. Like, yeah. a, like a ride at a theme park. Absolutely not. Oh. It is long and it is boring. And I think for me, the guilt of putting myself first in situations often came because I've had to keep reminding myself what I wanted to achieve and why I wanted to achieve it. I think that's part of the other half. And I think that also 
giving myself a bit of a break in terms of reminding myself that this isn't going to change overnight, that you're not going to change this bad habit like any other bad habit. It's just going to be a, a, a gradual process and forgiving yourself for having the guilt. So when I would go through these bouts of guilt or regret, I you know, regret for me is a massive anxiety trigger. So I would I would just obsess about things that I should have done or I should have said or I should have changed this. Mm. So giving myself permission to just get over it and try better next time. I agree that awareness is indeed half the problem solved. And I do think the other half of the problem solved is what are you then going to do about it? Are you going to make the conscious choice to work on it? Because I can definitely say that shifting yourself from putting yourself last to then putting yourself first does not happen quickly. It does not happen easily. But it does not happen without knowing what you're striving towards and actively taking steps towards it. Now, for me, it's been a decades-long process where I can now say I'm at the stage where I've got no problem putting myself first. Would you agree? Yes. At all? None. That wasn't how it was when I was younger and it didn't just... The, the light didn't just switch on overnight. It's been a, a constant progression and moving forward with like, you know, this is what I'm doing, this is why I'm doing it. And it's become easier over time. And you, Courtney, kind of gave one of the tips away with moving past this, being, you know, you remind yourself of why you're doing it in the first place. Because I think for a lot of people, putting yourself last is part of why you are where you are. And it's like I said before, that's what I see when I see someone who's overweight and unhealthy. I see someone who's put themselves last so much that their their body and their health now reflects that habit. So I obviously... Oh, 100%. Agree with the tip of reminding yourself of why you started in the first place. But the tip I want to start by giving with moving past this gradually over time is to understand that you can best care for others if you more care for yourself. Which is what I've found personally. I've become uh, a better friend to my friends, a better family member. Um, an, I think an above average husband because I'm also prepared to take care of myself and value myself, mm. which then means I can give more effectively to those that I care about. Yeah. I think um, for me always it was, it was finding a balance and I think that that is the part that's going to take – it takes time. What sort of balance do you mean? Because I think you want to, you don't want to go too far the opposite way and stop caring at all about anyone and anything. Completely agree. I should mention, putting yourself first doesn't mean you stop giving a fuck about other people. Yeah. So it's just finding that balance. You don't want to be too much of a people pleaser where you, as you said, Matt, you're putting yourself last every time something happens. Well, the, the, the balance there is in if you 
um, are putting yourself last to the stage where it's affecting your health, that's an imbalance and it's unhealthy, obviously. But it can go the other way, like you're alluding to, Courtney. If you think to yourself, oh, well, I've got to stop giving a fuck about everything else, everyone else, that's unhealthy as well because you then start to alienate people and disconnect. Correct. That, that's not that's – not, That's not healthy. That's not healthy either. No. That's That's – you go too far the opposite way. Yeah. So it's the time is going to come into it because you've just got to find that balance. And that balance, there's no set formula for that. It's 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 based on your life. So you have to experiment with where that balance is and that's what's going to take the time. But mm. I think once you start being more aware of it, and as we said, Matt, that's half the battle. For me, I found as soon as you're aware of it, it, it all seems you seem to find your feet with it um, pretty quickly and you seem to be able to identify areas and I think that balance will come to you fairly quickly for, that's going to suit your life but then it's just going to be practice and repetition because you're going to fall into bad habits and that's fine mm. but it's just about continuing to work on it um, and repetition and then it over time, over a long period of time, it becomes second nature. Well, I think, I think that I'll slightly disagree a little bit i think you can have set ways with this by that i mean you pick where you want to start with this now in my opinion the best place for most people to start is well you know what i'm going to carve out a small amount of time each week just to move my body and exercise because then you're you're establishing a gateway habit of doing things for yourself so it's like you know what there's seven days a week there's 24 hours a day, I'm going to commit three to four hours a week to, to doing exercise for myself. Be it like a couple of sessions a week at the gym, you know, maybe a, a group fitness class or some, some walks outside, whatever. And you might start there because it's, it's a relatively small investment that can then become a foundation to build on mm. from there. So it's like, okay, I'm going to start with, with that. Now, for some people, for a lot of people, I think exercise with this is the lowest hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Not for everyone, but for a hell of a lot. Mm. Because most people tend to associate weight loss and exercise go hand in hand. And they kind of do. Yes. So for most people, you start there and you start small. Mm-hmm. It's not about going, oh, well, I don't exercise at all because I feel guilty going to the gym to I'm now going to do a 15-hour-a-week training program. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yes. You know, three, four hours a week, hey, it's, it's fucking better than zero. Mm-hmm. And it's a good place to start. And then from there, because you're building that gateway habit like I you know, hinted at before, you can then go, okay, what's the next layer I'm going to add on top of this? You know, now I'm going to start, you know, putting a bit more time into making my own food for myself. You know, or for some people it could be, well, I'm now going to then carve out a bit more time each week to go and um, do a new hobby, start a new hobby or pick up a hobby I haven't done for years because I've been too busy putting everyone else ahead of me. Pick your poison on that one. Um, But the, the other tip I'd want to give with this before we move on, Courtney, is that, hey, just so you know, this will take time to improve upon, it will not happen quickly, and that is A-OK. Just knowing what you're striving for and actively taking even 
like minor baby steps towards it, it that adds up. Anything else you want to add before we move on? No. Comfortable with that? Yep. Would you say we nailed it? I would. Would you say we 100% nailed? Yeah. You want to hit us with the next one? Oh, yeah. Uh, the next one is making mistakes, not doing things perfectly. Okay. So the guilt of making mistakes and the guilt of not being perfect. Oh. So what you're telling me is that I'm approaching this wrong by thinking I need to do everything 100%? Yes. Wow. Mm. Okay, expand on this. So I think this one comes into it a lot because obviously when people – we've seen, Matt, when people decide to make this change in their lives, Mm. it's sort of been building up for a long time. This isn't something that people just decide – one day out of a whim, hey, I woke up, I might change my entire lifestyle Yeah, today. there's usually like a, a series of events or experiences or thoughts that happen over a period of time and you just get to the one that tips you over the yeah. edge. Yeah. So most people that we find that come to us, Matt, you will agree that you've usually tried several diets in the past, mm. been battling with their weight for years, mm-hmm. decades, Yes. Bat- battling with mental health, self self-doubt, all these things just Mm -hmm. combine. Mm -hmm. So it's only natural that when you go into then making this sort of change that there's a bit of an adrenaline build up there. You've made the change, you've reached out, you're outside your comfort zone. We've made the decision. It's it's a big thing. Mm. So as much as you can say you're going to make mistakes, it doesn't sink in. Mm. It really doesn't sink in. And we've seen this over and over and over and we, over, Matt. We say this um, literally face-to-face with every single client we work with. Yeah. So basically and we how say often does this, it sink in? It doesn't until about uh, over a month later. Uh, and the rest? And the rest, 12 weeks later. No, no, for some even longer. Because what happens is even though you're, you're, you're hearing the words that are said – you understand deep down already that it's not going to be perfect, you're going to make mistakes, things are going to happen. However... Lip service, would you say? I'm not necessarily lip service because I mm-hmm. don't actually think that most people realise mm-hmm. that they're doing this. Okay. Because what happens is the adrenaline, I think, is just so high. You're on this... You're, you're on this another... You're uh, on a high, you're definitely. You're on a high. You're yeah. on this other level mm. because everything's combining. You've... You've made this massive decision. You've probably told your friends. You've probably posted it on Facebook. Or, or, you've, or you've told your significant other. Told your significant other. You've told your family, this is what I'm doing. But also, this is what I'm- you've made a commitment, like a financial commitment, a yep. time commitment. You've joined the gym. You've got a coach. Yeah. You've, you've started this process. So you are on a high. The adrenaline's kicking. You're excited. And you- Honeymoon period? Just forget- the fundamentals and making mistakes and not doing things perfectly is a fundamental. It is a one of the the foundation things that we tell people that is going to happen. But I think because of that honeymoon period at the start, you're on that high. Even though you hear it, it doesn't sink in because you need to have that first mistake happen or that first 
quote unquote, you know, disappointment because what you thought was going to happen didn't happen, didn't go perfectly. So you you almost need that to happen to realize, oh, shit, this isn't going to go perfectly for me. And then that's where the guilt comes in and then that's when it can really derail everything if you let it. I think a lot of this comes from, as you mentioned, Courtney, the people that come to us tend to have a wealth of experience in doing diets and dumb fuck programs. And I think a lot of this comes from a diet mentality. Yeah. I've got to follow the rules. Yeah, I don't disagree with that I've got to do everything that is laid out. Mm -hmm. And I've got to follow this to the letter, by the book, or I'm doing it wrong. And then if I have something at a time when I go, when I, okay, fuck, I didn't eat what I was supposed to eat today. Thus, I'm now going to beat myself up. My opinion, totally my opinion here, I think most of this comes from diet mentality. I don't disagree with that either. I think that that is a very good point. I feel like us as humans, we get almost conditioned to having rules in life, rules based around everything. And so when there's, we automatically assume there has to be rules based around what we eat Mm -hmm. and what we do. Good foods, bad foods, doing it right, doing it wrong, Wrong. pass-fail mentality. It has to be, it's black and white. And because so much of our lives these days are led by rules and black and white. Well, the thing is, I fully subscribe to structure and structure in life and structure in routines and what we're doing and working towards goals. But that doesn't mean we're rigid. No. It doesn't mean that we have to do, this is the playbook, you do it this way or you're fucking it up. Because that also, to me, this implies a one-size-fits-all approach is what is needed. But that's what most people think, though. Because that's what, again, that's what, as you've just pointed out, the diet mentality is what we're being conditioned to be told that there is one size that fits all, there is one magic diet out there that's going to fix it all, and mm-hmm. there, you know, mm-hmm. there is one thing, and we're all looking for that one thing that's going to fix it. Um, so I think that 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 is just, and because when people are overweight and they're wanting a lifestyle change, means that all those things didn't help that they've done in the past. Mm. Whatever they've tried in the past didn't work. Yep. So they're still searching and they they then I think you get to the point where I didn't know before I met you all those years ago that, that, that something like this would help. Something like a, a flexible lifestyle of eating and exercise would help. Okay. Because when you're not exposed to this industry, you wouldn't know. I completely understand that. And that leads me to the next question for you. Have you, have you struggled with this? I definitely struggle with making mistakes. I know the answer. I'm just getting it out there for the person listening. I definitely struggle with the guilt of making mistakes. Again, I have a... Would you say it keeps you up at night sometimes? Well, like I mentioned earlier, regret for me is a real anxiety trigger. Mm. And that's just me personally. Mm -hmm. I know that um, everyone deals with regret and mistakes differently. To me, mistakes equal regret. And then I, I will obsess on the regret what I should have done, the shoulda, woulda, coulda of the whole thing. Whereas I know that we're very opposite, Matt, because you're very much a 
you don't like to make mistakes, but you're very much a learn from it, move on. Do you think I was always that way? No, but this is what I'm saying, mm. that right now this is where the personality difference is. So for me, I'm a shoulda, woulda, coulda, what should I have done? What could I have done better? Like what I will obsess and obsess and obsess on the mistake. Well, you know, we're not dissimilar in that regard because I'm the exact same. Okay, I did something, I made a mistake, I fucked something up and I do actually think, okay, what can I do next time? I think the difference is you linger on it a yeah. lot. I'm just like, yeah. okay, that, that, that's, that's the way to go next time, move on. And I think part of it for me is it's always having that that self-doubt and that, that slight lack of confidence. I know I'm a much more confident person than I was, you know, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but I still have that little bit inside me and I think a lot of people do when it comes to the guilt of making mistakes. I think we all do. It becomes an embarrassment. Like I, I would be lying if I said I didn't feel embarrassed when I made mistakes. Still? Um, yeah, still. Really? Yep, absolutely. I still get embarrassed when I know I've made a mistake. Um so, and, th- and that is a hinder in itself because if you're experiencing embarrassment when you make a mistake, you're not actively seeking to work on it, then are you? Because it becomes more of a cover-up. Then, mm. then uh, well said. How do I, how do I f- fix this for next time? It becomes an automatic, how do we cover this up so no one sees it? Do you think if you are embarrassed by making mistakes, that may be a hint as to your current mentality about how you view these things? Yeah. But not only mistakes, I think it then comes down to um, a confidence in what you're doing and who you are. I think I've definitely got better at it over time, but I still get embarrassed when I make mistakes. Mm. Um, and when things aren't, quote, unquote, I think when things aren't perfect has been less of a problem for me over the years, personally. How? Um, I think I never really identified with doing things perfectly as much as I always had a problem with making mistakes. Okay, that's fair. So... I, you know, I always could see the benefit in not not having everything perfect, even though deep down I would love it to have been. I, I did manage to still have that perspective that, okay, things aren't always going to work out perfectly. Mm-hmm. But the, the making of mistakes part, I've definitely always struggled with and continue to struggle with. I look at it as if, if you're not making mistakes, it's because you aren't putting in any effort yeah. And that's the biggest mistake of all. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, any Anything else you want to touch on with this point before we start giving tips for moving past it? I suppose I should mention before – sorry to let you answer there, Courtney. I had massive, massive, massive issues with this when I was younger where I would really hammer myself mentally for getting the slightest thing wrong, mm. even as much as – like uh, using the wrong word in a sentence in in certain context. I just beat myself up or how a conversation I had with someone, oh, I should have said this or I should have done that. And it would just be days and days and days Mm. of beating myself up. Um, Same with um, the perfectionism mentality where like you've, you've got to nail it every single time. You've got to get it right every single time. And it's an unhealthy approach because it you set unrealistic expectations that you're not superhuman. Mm. Now, I do 
with, with the benefit of hindsight now, I do fully subscribe to the idea of striving for excellence. Yeah. Because I personally believe now with, with many years of experience, too many people are happy to settle for mediocrity. Mm. That fucking isn't me. That thought offends me with where I'm at now. Now, I do believe in striving for excellence. I do believe in being willing to ask for more from yourself and being willing to ask for improvement and seeking improvement and seeking feedback. But that's different from feeling guilty about making mistakes or thinking that you've got to get things perfect. Mm. There's a difference there. Mm. Now, back to my question to you. Anything else you want to mention before you go to the tips? Um, Sorry. No, I don't think so. I think that that okay. covers the guilt based well, around these things pretty well. Okay, so what's the first tip you would give for moving beyond the guilt of making mistakes and not being perfect? I think having perspective was a big one. Elaborate. I I found having perspective... Easy for you to say. I can't speak. <laughs> perspective... We got there. I feel like I've always managed to have that in terms of the everything has to be perfect, but I've had to really work on bringing that same mentality to my approach to mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I have to really focus on having pers- perspective and step back and ensure that I'm telling myself everybody makes them. They're always going to happen. You know, if you... It's part of life. Well, you you've, if you live to 100, like, there's a bloody long time to go without making mistakes. Mm. And I have to reinforce in, into myself, if I'm going to get embarrassed and if I'm going to close up every time I make a mistake, it's going to be a really long fucking life. And, like, miserable, and miserable. I've got a long time to go till I hit 100. So is it going to be really hard you know, to go through this long. So I think having having that perspective is, is really important. Um, how do you how do you remind yourself of that? I think I think internally I sort of pick myself on the, up on the fact that that um, I'm experiencing guilt. So guilt is a funny emotion where for me, I don't know about anybody else. I've never actually asked anybody this. So you can answer this question, Matt. Now's a chance. For me, when I experience the feeling of guilt, it almost makes me feel sick. Like I get a nauseous, a physical reaction. Really? Yeah. So when I feel the guilt of something, it's it's almost physical. It gets like, – like I'm talking like major guilt here. Mm-hmm. It almost becomes it from it moves from a mental experience and it moves into like a physical experience for me. And depending on how guilty I will feel, it will depend on how nauseous I feel. But wow. I do get a nauseous feeling. Yeah, I can't. I can't say I've had that. Mine's purely been in my head. Yeah. Um, but in my head enough where it takes over my thoughts and everything becomes negative. Yeah. Okay. So for me, it would be like, oh, you know, you fucked this up. You're a fuck up. You're a failure at life. You you're gonna fuck up everything. It just spirals out from there, but I personally can't. That's a new one for me. Yeah, so mine will start mental. Differently. So mine will start mental, yeah. and in and more so, it, I would beat myself up in terms of everyone's going to think you're shit. 
you know, it becomes more of a judgment. So I'll judge myself, but I'll also convince myself that everyone around me is going to judge me. Ah, yes. That happens a lot. And then that will lead to me getting more and more anxious about this feeling of guilt. Mm. And then that leads to me feeling, can lead to me feeling quite nauseous. So depending on the level of guilt and anxiety that I'm feeling, because it is a trigger for anxiety, then it leads to other things. So for me, when I make mistakes, depending on how big it is, some of sometimes if it's little and I, there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason to it. Maybe if it just doesn't seem to affect me too much, I it's easier for me just to pass it off and to say, oh well, it doesn't matter. I think there's certain situations where I can do that. I think in terms of work, I seem to be able to do that quite well these days. You know, mm. if something affects my work that I'm doing, I'm a lot better these days of just saying oh well everyone makes mistakes but when it's something that it's affecting me that I've done then I find it it's a lot harder for me just to have that mentality so when I start to have those really negative thoughts or when I physically start to feel it become a problem where I'm getting nauseous when I think about it um, that's when I have to really step back and have a think about why, you know, why has this become such a problem for me? Why mm. do I have such a problem with this? And I have to sort of almost step back and have like an internal dialogue with myself to sort of say like to analyse like why has this become to the point where I'm making myself sick over this? What what has happened here? And does that help? Yeah. How? I think because for me over many years, and I think I developed this skill when I was younger and I suffered from anxiety quite badly, I was able to have have this almost like um, analysis in my head. So I sort of step back and sort of really think think it through and think about, okay, I'm almost going back through the action of what happened to try to find where was the trigger here, what, what, what is the problem here. And I think half the time just going back through that, maybe I'd convince myself that, it had happened differently or that people are going to judge me and I have to sort of almost stand back and think to myself, no one gives a shit about you. <laughs> I have to remind myself that no one cares most of the time about what I do. I do. But you know what I mean? I like no one gives a shit if I, you know. Yeah, it's often often you, you, you think, oh, people are going to judge me. No, it's actually you judging yourself. Correct. And that's the perspective I have to step back and I have to re almost think about what the mistake is that I made and why am I so upset about this? And usually I'll find the answer and most of the time it comes back to, for me personally, it comes back to me convincing myself that it was worse than it really was or I've convinced myself that people are going to be upset with me or people are going to judge me. And then once I realised that that's the trigger, then I can move on. Your ability to do that, have you always had that or was that mm. developed over time? Well, when I was younger, I had a really bad stretch um, when I was younger, uh, late, uh, was I was about 17, 18, between sort of 17 and 20 where I, my anxiety got quite bad um, to the point I struggled sleeping. Wow. Um, but... And, and for some reason, it was just this trigger where I couldn't let it go until I told my mum. Okay. And once I told my mum and my mum told me that everything was fine and what I was thinking was stupid, 
she wouldn't say it like that, but basically that's what she would tell me. And I could move on. I could let it go because somebody else, I think I obviously got to the point where I didn't trust my own judgment. So I needed that my mum to tell me that it was going to be fine and then it, I could let it go. Well, I mean, that does speak to support network, doesn't it? Yeah. And having good people around you. So then that led to me worrying that I was constantly having to go to my mum for this and I then really? thought, well, this isn't going to be, this isn't, I can't do this forever. Mm-hmm. I can't just keep going to my mum every time something bothers me and getting reassurance that it's fine. So... But to be fair... It does not help to have those rocks in our lives that we can go yeah. to and lean on. Well, and I, and I, I still I do. We'll need that. Yeah. And I still do go yeah. to my mum when if there's a big decision or if something is bothering me and I will talk to her about it. Shout out Nolsey. Shout out Nolsey. Um, but I got to the point then when I started writing things down. Okay. So I kept a little scrapbook next to my bed and I would just write down things that bothered me that day and then it sort of just helped. How long was the list of things you'd write down? So I don't really remember, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know. I think I have one of these weird memories that I just seem to forget a lot of things from when I was younger. Selective memory? I think so. I think when things aren't pleasant or I don't like it, I just I just don't think well, I just don't keep it in my brain. That's um that's actually part of how the brain works to protect us. Right. Yeah. Blocking out mistakes and things like that, There's negative experiences. It's a lot about my younger years that I actually don't remember. I don't recall. Mm. Um, so I don't remember how long the lists were or anything like that. I don't even really remember how long I did that for, but I just remember it helped. And then I sort of just moved on from there in terms of having now this internal discussion in my brain, analyzing it, coming up with a plan and then moving on. I think from what you, from what you're saying, what's helped you with this is that you have been an active participant in working to improve this as opposed to just um, whatever. Yeah. Brushing it aside and just dealing with it as is. Because you've said it before, you you make a decision, but you then have to to actively choose to, okay, I'm gonna this is this is a problem and you're aware of it. I'm now going to work on this. I think just like the previous guilt that we spoke about, which was um, putting, putting yourself, yourself first. first. Yeah. And we spoke about half the battle is identifying it as being a, a problem. Mm. And I think it goes for this one as well. I think for me... It goes for any habit, doesn't it? Yeah, any I habit of mentality. It, yeah. Half of it is was for me identifying that it's a problem. And I built up to, that, to the point now where I haven't necessarily reached the point where I've kicked the habit of having guilt over mistakes, but I've built the habit of being able to recognize it. Mm-hmm. So I think that that has helped me so much, whereas now it's, it's, it's just habit for me to be able to pick up on it that I'm, have, I'm feeling guilt about this mistake and why. Mm. That whole process is habitual for me now. I don't even think about it. It just happens automatically. So, yes, I haven't been able to kick the habit yet completely of feeling guilt and stressing over mistakes, but I think because I've been able to build the habit of recognizing it processing it i think that that has helped offset it i'll give a tip um for getting over and improving with the guilt of making mistakes um get over yourself and just understand that this is actually how it works that part of anything in life there's mistakes that need to be made 
And what I said before, striving for excellence is fantastic. Perfection is fantasy. Mm. And especially then holding yourself to a standard of being perfect and not making mistakes or avoiding mistakes is complete delusion. So I would be an advocate for saying, get the fuck over yourself, accept that this is how it works. And the sooner you accept that this is how it works, the sooner you can actually move on from it and then start to really grow as a person. I, I, I'm sitting here smiling because it's funny that when I start to process the fact that, okay, I'm, I'm obsessing over mistakes here, I will often tell myself in my mind... I will literally say to myself, you need to get over yourself. Yeah, good advice. <laughs> what do you think as well? There's going to be plenty of uh, obstacles and hills to climb when it comes to a successful weight loss journey. And if you think that success comes via no mistakes, like fucking honestly, you got no chance. I think as well that... Reasonable? Yeah, reasonable. Yeah. I think... The other tip that I'll just say about the making mistakes, the guilt of making mistakes and, and not doing things perfectly, I think to the other thing to really think about if you are somebody that is feeling guilt about these things often is to really think about when you're analysing this for yourself, what is it exactly that you're feeling guilty about? So for me, the trigger was I would I would convince myself that people were going to judge me, people were going to talk about it, people mm. were going to be upset with me. Yep. These sort of things. So it's fear of being judged, fear of letting people down. Sort of try to figure out where the fear is coming from because by not allowing yourself to make mistakes or being perfect, you're afraid of something. So just try to figure out where the fear is coming from and that will often help you move on. Do you think there could be merit in sharing a mistake with someone who you think might judge you for it? If not just to hear from them, it's okay. Or is that like really fucking scary? I think if you weren't sure on how, what the response would be, I think that that is really scary and that would have to be built up to. Okay. Because if if you've identified the facts like for me that fear of being judged is part of the reason why I have these guilt around making mistakes, then the last thing I'm going to do is go to somebody who I think might judge me and tell them. Okay. I think to start off with, you're better off going to your within your support network, somebody who you know is non-judgmental and just building up that, that skill of actually talking about the mistake. Getting it out there. Getting it out there yep. with someone who isn't going to judge you and then you can expand that on. I will say one thing. I, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad I asked the question. That's a tremendous answer. If someone does judge you for a mistake, they're a fuckwit. Well, Straight they shouldn't up. be in Straight your... Straight up. Realistically, if someone judges you, the thing to remember whenever you talk about mistakes or not being perfect, if if someone does judge you, they shouldn't be in your support network. Yeah, that, that to me is the definition of a toxic person. So that's when you turn to, you know, you, you turn to your support network and you reanalyze it. Yeah, absolutely. But it shouldn't come down to judgment. It should come down to feedback. And that's Ooh. the difference. Ooh. And what you want, though, is you want somebody who isn't going to judge you, but he's going to give you feedback. And that might be to say, yeah, actually, you didn't fuck that up. You did fuck up. But, hey, 
where can you improve for next time? Yeah, but that's okay. Or I've done that too. You know, Um, you want that. You don't want the judgment. You want the feedback. So you want to find somebody to talk to that's going to give you feedback and help you move on from it. Well, I think as well about taking what is a mistake and turning it into an opportunity to improve. A lesson. And that turn it into a lesson. Well, that leads into the the last tip I'll give on this particular subject is that you will actually learn more from your mistakes than you will from your successes. I can tell you that. Not a hundred percent, a thousand percent. I can say that too. So even though I don't like to make them and it fills me with anxiety and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I every I am the person I am today because I've gone through all of that. Yeah, I'll um, I'll echo that. Like we we get tremendous feedback um, from from people like yourself that listen to the podcast. That you know, you guys are so relatable. What you say makes so much sense. And by the way, like we we appreciate that more than we can say. But do you know why we come across that way? It's because we fucked everything up, and we have made every fucking mistake that you have or do. Yeah, and that's actually what makes you good. Because you learn and adapt and improve moving forward. So please keep in mind that the mistakes are what make you better, I think not the success. I agree. And that passes, it crosses over from just a, a weight loss category. This is a life lesson. And this is something is. that I've taken through my entire life, yeah. through my work, yep. through my marriage, yep. through my family, my relationship with my family, my mm-hmm. friends. I think that this is something that I've strive to be better at i've definitely better than i was 10 years ago but these sort of lessons i think that you take through your life and i i very much expect to be even better again in another 10 years absolutely because that's reasonable you should never stop trying to be better Oh, 100%. And you should read out, before we move on to the next one, you should read out the sign that you've, Matt, that you've got written behind your head. I don't even need to look at it. Forget the mistake, remember the lesson. It's a framed uh, bit of art we have here in the office that's uh, hanging up behind me and it's there every day as a reminder to Courtney and I Yes. of how this actually works. Remember I saw that and this is like, oh, that's – It's that. hilarious. Small digression. Matt actually used to say this. All the time. And then we were shopping one day and we found this picture in this tiny little antique store mm. up in the hills and it was just it was just one of those moments that just made us both laugh because he used to say this and then there it is on a painting and we just had to buy it. So On the spot. On the spot. So and this is a saying that's helped me. A lot. So if you're sure. ever struggling with perfectionism or mistakes, just remind yourself, even if you only do one thing, which is just to tell yourself, forget the mistake, remember the lesson. Yeah, what can I learn from this? Now, let's move on to the third and final thing for this episode, Courtney. Yep. The guilt of saying no. Mm. This be a big one. Yeah. Is this something that you have battled with in the past? Because I sure as fuck have. Yeah, and I think, again, this is sort of an extension of um, putting yourself first. What I was talking about in that one, that tip, which was I personally have a problem with pleasing people, with 
I have a fear of upsetting people. Mm. So, of course, then an extension of that is I have then a problem often with in saying no. Feeling obligated to say yes. Well, just not wanting to hurt people's feelings, not wanting to upset people. Or offend. Or offend people. Yep. Not um, not wanting to rock the rock the boat. Okay, so can you give some examples of where you have struggled with saying no? I think that um, a lot of a lot of mine when I was younger came down to um, I think it I don't know this one's a hard one because for me a lot of the examples are more life related. When I made the decision to lose weight and to change my lifestyle. There wasn't that much concern about saying no. Really, I think because I was had you, got you, you had to practice that already. Not necessarily. I was over the habit, but I think that I just got to the point where I was so focused on making this decision and doing it. I didn't I sort of hit the ground running, and I didn't really stop. And I think at the time when I first started losing weight, I was living at home. My mum is a people pleaser, just like I am, mm. total fence sitter. Mm. So she wasn't going to be turning around pressuring me to do anything, you know, that I didn't want to do. So I guess I just didn't really experience the thought of having to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe by the time I did, it it became – I never really felt pressure from people to do things. Like if we went out for dinner – and people would say, here, have a drink. If I didn't want to drink alcohol, I wouldn't. If yeah. if I, although that was never my vice, see, if they said, though, eat this pizza, I would have a hard time saying no. Or this ice cream. But it wasn't because the person asked me. It was because I wanted the food. Mm-hmm. So for me, the vice was always the food, but not. I never really felt that pressure when it came to food or anything to, to say you know, no, I don't want that. I did. Yeah. I definitely did um, with, you know, he have a drink, he have another one, have another one. Um, whereas like, oh, well, I've got to say yes. Or, you know, we're, we're, having, we're having this type of food for dinner. You know, have this. Oh, okay. I'll do that. Or, um, you know, is there a chance you can stay back later at work tonight? to do this, this, and this. And it's like, well, I'm supposed to go to the gym tonight. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And that was hard, really difficult for me, mm. was having the confidence to to say no to people because I was a massive people pleaser as well when I was younger. And it would affect my ability to do the things I know I needed to do in order to improve myself. Mm. So, uh, you know, I'm at the time really struggling with controlling my diabetes, type mm-hmm. 2 diabetes. Um, here, Matt, have this alcohol. We're, we're going out drinking. Okay. I just get sloshed. You know, or we're <laughs> run a night out. We've, um, we've sunk a whole bunch of booze. Let's go and smash some, some greasy pizza or really oily kebabs. Oh, okay. Do you think that that at the time for you was less about pleasing people a bit more about because your confidence was, was so low, you wanted to feel like one of one of the gang, like I one do, of the crew? I do think it is a lot about wanting to fit in mm. and I think that is an extension of people-pleaser mentality mm. 
is you don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. You don't want to be the person that goes against No, things. but you also, if you're already feeling a bit on the outer because you're less confident, because you don't like the way that you look, things like that, and you're around friends that are confident and that you want to almost feel accepted. It's more of that, that acceptance, is, more I, so than rocking the boat. You just want to feel well, like... Well, to me, it's all the same thing. Yeah. W- w- to me, it was all the same thing. So okay. I, I, you are you are very much correct. Um, it's just same thing, different words. Yeah. To me, people pleasing, fitting in, not, not rocking the boat, not displeasing someone, not offending someone. Yeah. You know, same thing where, you know, you'd have it where... Um, family gathering mm. and, you know, Nan or, or your aunt, aunt comes over with a, just a whole bucket of pastry type foods, you know, and it's like, oh, I've got to eat this because it's been made. Yeah. I can't throw it out. I can't let it go to waste. Yeah. I, so thus I have to consume it. Do you really? Yeah. I would have that to a certain point, but more so like I would accept the food if someone gave it to me because I didn't want to be rude. But I did develop the habit quite quickly of regifting it. Well, that, that's a tip we'll get into um, when it comes but to this. Yes, I did feel that a little bit because I wouldn't, I would never say no to something that was given to me because of people pleasing. I didn't want to be rude, but I guess my more so my then my um, habit that I had to work on in that situation was not necessarily feeling like I had to eat it because someone gave it to me, but. Wanting to eat it because I wanted it, mm-hmm. um, and dealing with that sort of mentality. Well, no, um, for me, I just had this this fear of upsetting people mm-hmm. or thinking that people would, you know, look look down at me or, or judge me for, you know, like, oh, what an asshole, like knocking this back mm-hmm. or not not doing this, you know. And it, it it is, I think, a lack of confidence. Yeah, I can. Honestly, say now with where I'm at, I've got no problem in the world saying no to anyone or anything if I don't want to. Yeah. How does this happen? How does one get mm. from I'm terrified of not fitting in to I don't give a fuck? Mm. Here's how it happens practice <laughs> over years and years and years. I'm sorry, this won't happen in your next 28 day challenge at the gym. No. This won't happen during the next detox for a week that you do. This takes fucking years and lots of fucking practice. Yep. And I think we move into the tips here, yeah. Courtney, because I'm starting to sort of get into it there with that. Um, we've touched on that this is part of a people-pleaser mentality, um, but I think recognising that is the first tip I'll give, recognising that, hey, this doesn't help if you're – if you are struggling and feeling guilty saying no and you're saying yes to things that you either don't want or aren't aligning with what your goals are, like recognize that that's not helping. Mm. As Courtney has said so far in this episode, like recognition and awareness is half the problem solved and it is. Mm. And you've got to be able to own that mm. and say, hey, this, this isn't helping me become the person I want to be. Mm. And the thing is with, with this whole journey that you go on like there's going to be these moments we've got to make some hard fucking choices and you know draw your line in the sand and say you know what these these are my standards and i'm not going to back off yeah from them yeah um and i'll give the next tip actually i think i've written a few out here for me as well um but honestly the more you do this the easier it gets yeah 
it's difficult at the start. It's a mountain to climb at the start. But with a bit of repetition, gradually over time, it gets so easy to the point where, like I said, I'm at now, I don't even bat an eyelid. If I want to say no, I'm just saying no. And funnily enough, as I've learned over the years now, um, people then recognize where you're at. So I started saying no enough where I stopped getting offered random blocks of chocolate. You know, he and Matt have these drinks. That wasn't, you know, there was a, there was like an acceptance where if Matt wants it, he's going to do it. And it's, you know, we don't need to ask or offer or whatever. Mm. I know? did find that over time too. Yeah. So it does get easier with practice. Um, another tip I'll give here from my personal experience is that I view this as a form of leadership. A form of, of personal leadership is being able to identify, you know, yes, I want this, yes, I want to accept this, or no, I don't. Mm. And either answer is fine that aligns with what you're working towards achieving. I think the tip that I want to give for this one is the thing that I've learned over time and years and I have to still remind myself of, Mm. it's not, you should never feel guilty about saying no because it's not about saying no, it's about how you say no. Elaborate. You don't need to be an asshole when you say no. I think that that's part of the guilt that we have where we just automatically assume that we're going to come across as we're a going to come across, you know, where we don't want to upset people. I'm we rude. don't want them to judge us. Yeah, okay. We, we want to be included. So I'll just go along with the status quo where the thing that we need to remember is that saying no is not rude. Saying no is not upsetting the apple cart. Saying no is not offending people. Being an asshole offends people. So it's not necessarily saying no that's the problem. But you can say no but still be really a nice person and maybe depending on the situation, maybe you explain why you're saying no or maybe that you say, you know, you say just generally no thank you. Do you know um, what's an easy an easy sort of tactic with this? Um, if say say, for example, you're – you work in the office and there's been like a staff function and the staff room is just loaded up with like donuts, biscuits, shit. You, you, you don't really want it. But one of your coworkers is like, oh, you know, have some of this, have some of that. Do you know it works every time? I can't. I'm allergic. Well, that, that does help. And it has helped me over time, be, you know, taking dairy and, and gluten I'm out sorry, of my diet. I'm sorry, I'm gluten intolerant. Oh, okay, no worries. <laughs> it, it, a thousand percent works yeah. every time. And I mean, you can do little white lights if, if like that, if you are worried that you're genuinely going to upset somebody. Well, that, you know, that could be, I mean, as much as we're kind of joking about it, I'm actually not joking about it. It can be a really easy way to bridge yourself into the habit of saying no is, look, thanks, but I'm intolerant. Or thanks, but I'm... I just ate, but thanks so much. Yes, I just ate. Oh, I didn't realise that we were going out for dinner. I've already eaten dinner, but I'll come with you and I'll have, you it, know, It's an easy way to, to, to get to just no thank you. Yeah. Is to bridge it with no thank you. I was caught in I've just eaten. I'm intolerant. Oh, you're afraid of gluten. not having a drink. You could, you really could, if you really wanted to, say, "Oh, not this time, but may, you know, I'll, I'll save it for later." I'm, I'm driving. I'm driving. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
oh, you know, there, there's insert little white lie here if it's going to make your life easier and yeah. you're going to feel less guilty because this certain- is all about taking away the guilt. Certain, there can be certain white lies that are just like they're, they're never questioned. No. Allergies and intolerances, there's no comeback to that. Like, oh, okay, yeah, no worries. Uh, like for me, I've got an easy one. I'm diabetic. I can't have that. My blood sugar spikes up and I, I've got to go pass out on the couch, which is kind of accurate. I, I do agree with you that often those little white lies can be helpful and they can lead to more comfort into gen- generally just saying no thank you yeah for sure without explanation yep yeah i agree uh any other tips actually no before we move on um we've written one out here Courtney. And i think it's worth mentioning because a big part that, that we've noticed people struggle with is saying no um can be where like say you have your family christmas or if you're in you know like america like your thanksgiving and it's just like epic food event and, you know, your family brings around all this food and it's left at your house. And it might be junk food or, you know, stuff that you don't like or doesn't agree with you. Some people think they have to eat it. Mm. What's your tip for situations like that? Well, similar to what I spoke about before, which is often in my previous history, I would gen- generally, I would, if I felt comfortable saying, no, 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 you take it, you know, if we were having a family gathering at our house, Matt, often, you know, mm. things are left or or asked if you would like to leave, you know, will you eat that? That tends to be what my family will do. Who wants to take this leftover or that leftover? Matt and I don't eat bread really at all. I'm gluten intolerant and Matt doesn't love the feeling of eating bread that leaves in his tummy. So I love bread. Bread doesn't love me. <laughs> So usually if we've got a family function, I'll say, oh, we won't eat the bread. So who? I don't want it to go to waste. Who wants to take the bread with them? Mm. So I'll try to offload things where possible before everyone leaves. If people are insistent on leaving things, um, I don't really like to waste things either. So I would freeze what I could and then use it for maybe the next gathering that had people over. Mm. Or So even if I don't eat bread, but maybe I'm having people over and they eat bread, so having some in the freezer is not necessarily a bad thing. Or I would take it to work the next day. You know, if there was cake left over from a birthday and nobody, none of my family wanted to take it home, I wouldn't be – I would feel rude if I said, I'm going to throw this out in front of, you know, my family. Yeah. And I would also hate to throw things – I hate wasting food. But, that, but that, that's where – Plenty of people can go, well, I'd rather not waste it, I'll eat it. Yeah, but I think looking outside It's not the only option that, though, is it? No. Yeah. So take it to work. If you've got kids, you know. Oh, the staff send room. Send it to school. The staff room at the office is a like, perfect location, yeah. I would I take a lot of stuff with me to work, yeah. you know, in the past where I would take it to work and I'd put it on the bench and say, hey, you know, leftover cake from birthday yesterday, help yourself, yeah. you know. Um, so... Yeah, I think making just looking at other options and not just thinking to yourself that you are the garbage disposal for <laughs> for a social gathering. Yes. Um, and before, worst case scenario, I have to say, yeah, I would just throw it out because again, like we've said in the past, well, no one's looking. If it's in your house, you're going to eat it. That's real proximity. Isn't so it? if you can't get rid of it in any other way, throw it away. If you can't moderate yourself, yeah. Um, before we wrap the episode up, um, can I just 
share a recommended book that has helped me more than I can say with with guilt. Um, a book by a gentleman named Mark Manson mm-hmm. called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Go look this book up, um, be it written or find it on Audible or on the audio book. This book is a game changer with regards to being able to select what you do and don't care about and, and getting over feelings of guilt about things. Um, I'm going to recommend this book in both this episode and part two of this because this book, honestly, for me, complete and utter game changer and really, for me, helped cement in my mind, you know, getting getting past things like this. A book that I'll just say that has helped me over the years. Yep. That I've gone back to a few times. Yep. Um, dealing with certain things um, has been a book by the author Mel Robbins. Mm-hmm. One of your faves. No relation to Tony Robbins. Um She's um she has a great book called The Five Second Rule. Ooh. And it's not the game that's played on the Ellen Jenner show. Mm-hmm. Um no, it's called The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins, and I would highly recommend um reading that book as well. Cool. All right, let's let's bring this one to a close. Uh thank you for bearing with us. We will continue part two of this discussion in the next episode. In the meantime, Courtney. Well, Courtney and I would like to extend to you an invitation to come and join the Weight Loss Podcast Facebook group. Yes. Over on facebook.com. <laughs> if you put in the search for the Weight Loss Podcast, you will find our group. Um, come hang out with myself, with Courtney, and other fans of the show. Yes. We have an email address. Yes, it is podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. You are more than welcome to submit any questions or observations or feedback to our email. We love getting questions sent through to us, especially on the email, because we save them for future Q&A episodes so we can answer it in person, so to speak. So hit us up there, podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. You'll also find any additional show notes about this episode and other episodes of the show over at the website, which is what? The Weight Loss Podcast, com. Yes. And just so you know, links to the Facebook group, links to the website, you links will find everything. links to everything that's important. You will find in the episode description in your podcast app that you're using right now. So, hey, check it out. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Once again, thank you very much and we'll see you for the next one. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 